Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to part two of uh, the Mayak thing. Like I said, we split this into two parts because, although they're released at the same time, due to the long process of me actually doing all the research acquired for these uh, lengthy and crazy episodes, and, well, kind of two a bit different shifting tones on them, because if the first one, first part was um, a bit less cynical than usual, no, seriously, that was a bit less cynical than usual, then, well, this part is uh, a bit different in mood. We'll be talking about nuclear catastrophes, and those are always fun. However, this is going to be mired with a bit more dark humor than the previous part, however. I pretty much presume that it's easier for you to just click on, well, another part of the episode rather than just, you know, skip it through. Also, the webpage is still in production, in case you hadn't heard part one. And if you're listening to this and, well, being confused, why am I calling this part two... Yeah, because uh, we're releasing these both parts at the same time, so if you start listening with this, click on your whatever podcast app you're using, and look for my previous episode, which should be, well, part one. Anyway, if you're on Twitter or on Facebook, then you probably have seen the links already, or if you're in Patreon, then, well, you also have both links up there, but just in case, if you're listening to this on some sort of playlist, then, then you probably have maybe seen that this is the last episode, but you should start with the one previous to this one, because, like I said, released at the same time, but I'm pretty sure that they'll just show part two to you, and you'll be very confused. We're talking about Mayak, the nice little production facility that, well, made nuclear weapons and reprocessed nuclear fuel and created plutonium and had a galore of incidents. Some of them tragic, a lot of them, well, also tragic, but a bit more funny. The previous episode was the uh, tragic, tragic one. This is a bit more on the lighter side. Although still pretty dark. You see, after listening to part one, you'll know that I was talking about the 1957's incident. Now we move to December 1968. Mm, Just nine years after the previous one. This comes from no one else but Darwin Awards. And it was confirmed, too. So, kind of weird. If you don't know what Darwin Awards are, then it's kind of a satirical and very cynical site, which, honoring Charles Darwin, the father of evolution, Darwin Awards commemorate those who improve our gene pool by removing themselves from it in the most spectacular way possible. Basically, in a large part of everything, it's about people who 
have managed to die in truly spectacular ways. And this involves a nuclear incident. So, it's always fun. And apparently this was translated and confirmed, and also by Russian scientists and American scientists, and, um, well, just fun time. It was submitted by a physicist, and then it was nicely confirmed, too. So, again, Mayak, our favorite nuclear fuel processing center in central Russia, near Urals, yeah, they were experimenting with plutonium purification techniques. And the official report that we got on the incident states that they were using a, quote, unfavorable geometry vessel in an improvised operation as a temporary vessel for storing plutonium organic solution, end quote. In other normal people words, yeah, they were basically pouring liquid plutonium into unsafe equipment. The chief supervisor here is the key guy. I mean, well, then again, he lived in Mayak nine years after the previous incident and still worked at Mayak, so I don't know. Radiation can do a lot of things to man, specifically when combined with uh, a lot of weird stuff going on in the Switzerland, anyways. And now from the report, because uh, this is a bit, a bit grim, and, but yet still funny. Quote, It was noticed that the solution was a combination of organic and aqueous solution, which is basically gunk in the tank. Two operators, instructed by the shift supervisor, used an improvised setup to decant the dark brown concentrated plutonium organic solution. The shift supervisor then left to tend to other duties. During the second filling of the bottle, a mixture of aqueous and organic solution was drawn in. So basically, they kind of um, poured in both the stuff that they wanted to get in and the stuff that they didn't want to get in. As a result, the operators stopped filling the bottle. One of them then asked the shift supervisor for further instructions. And he was told to, you know, don't bother, pour more stuff in, it'll be fine. This operator, quote, poured it into the 60-liter vessel for a second time. After most of the solution had been poured out, the operator saw a flash of light and felt a pulse of heat. Startled, the operator dropped the bottle, ran down the stairs, and from the room. See, here's the thing. The plutonium was a bit too concentrated, and he got accidentally, which is weird because, but I guess such things happened. He accidentally started a nuclear chain reaction. Only in Soviet Russia, really. Nuclear chain reaction starts you, I suppose. The alarms sounded, and everyone evacuated. So far, no fatal errors. But wait. A second criticality happened while everyone was safely underground. Because, of course it did. Basically, everyone runs away, the bottle has been dropped, more plutonium added, more critical chain reaction. And then this is... And after the second thing, this is where it, it gets interesting. Yeah, just now. And again, quoting from the report. The ship's supervisor insisted that the radiation control supervisor permit him to enter back into the work area. The radiation control supervisor resisted, but finally accompanied the shift supervisor back into the building. As they approached the basement room where the accident had occurred, the radiation levels continued to rise. The radiation supervisor explicitly prohibited the shift supervisor from proceeding. I presume a bunch of Russian math was involved. We made an episode on that too. In spite of the prohibition, the shift supervisor deceived the radiation control supervisor and entered the room anyways. So, with, with, with everything more or less under control, even though this is one of the many accidents that just happened there, and like I said, if this is by far not the only one, the shift supervisor decides to just trick the radiation control guy and cheat him and sneak past him and just goes into the room, which is full of plutonium that's spent, well, in a chain reaction. Oh boy. 
His, quote, subsequent actions were not observed by anyone. However, later there was evidence found that he had attempted to power the plutonium into a floor drain. His actions caused a third excursion, much larger than the first two, activating the alarm system in both buildings. In other words, the shift supervisor managed to set off an even bigger nuclear chain reaction than the previous two. Welcome to Kombinat Mayak. If you work there, I feel truly sorry for you. Quote again, The shift supervisor, covered in plutonium organic solution, immediately returned to the underground tunnel. He died about one month after the accident, having received four times the fatal dose of radiation. Thankfully, everyone else survived. Now, it has to be said that, you know, even if the shift supervisor had lived, I think he'd still qualify for a Darwin Ward. As, well, gotta be honest here, I bet that this much radiation, literally, deceiving someone with total intent to go in there and just bumping every possible toxic plutonium waste and everything straight into the drain, which then can flow into the river. Because why not? Why not? Like I said, by this point, it's basically, hey, well, everything's polluted, so why stop now? Pollute more. Glory to pollution, comrades. Happiness is mandatory. Well, this guy, uh, I guess, got his happy end. Thankfully with, um, you know, not strontium-90. But, hey, plutonium, apparently, can, uh, <laughs> can get the job done as perfectly well as, well, other extremely dangerous chemicals. However, obviously, as you might have heard by now and understood, that Mayak is literally a, a building made out of disastrous events, we'll be switching over to the most recent catastrophe, the mysterious 2017 cloud of radiation. Because, hey, third time's the charm. Except, well, according to Russian authorities, apparently, you can cause massive nuclear disasters by downing satellites. Not even kidding. Because, like I told you in part one, Mayak is the wonderful radiation gift that just keeps on giving. Truly an inspiring case to everyone who's ever had to deal with anything radioactive, really. To further elaborate on everything that has happened recently, we're gonna have to return to our friends at Bellona. Because, like I said, they're the guys who work in, kind of, in Norway and in Russia. Because, well, they're mostly in Russia, and but they're based in Oslo for quite obvious reasons, as people have been sent away from Russia for working there, right? So, we'll be looking at, well, their sources, because they're high quality, and they also provide a lot of documentation about all these disasters and everything. And I'll be using two of their various articles, one from 2017 and one from 2019, because they show in full glory what happened and what's going on there, because, like I said... It's gonna get a bit insane. See, first article comes from November 27th, 2017. And it's funny because it's about, you know, 60th anniversary of the world's first nuclear disaster at the same place where this happened, which is already funny because if Mayak isn't your favorite really bad workplace, then, you know, after these two nuclear disasters, and not the only ones. In the first part, I gave you a short list of all of the terrible incidents that had happened there, which was a long one. Then, you know, 60 years after the first one, yeah, it was weird, because in late September 
2017, it was quite clear that a huge release of the radioactive isotope ruthenium-106 happened once again at Mayak. Just that place can't get a rest there. And Greenpeace reported at the time that the cause was likely an error with a filtration system on an oven used to bake nuclear waste into glass, a process which is called vitrification. During such procedures, which Mayak performs routinely, and they still do it up until today, and it's just a matter of time until we get another major catastrophe from that location, I definitely know that it's going to happen. Ruthenium-106 can become volatile and change form. And these changes then determine the kind of filter that's required. Without the right kind of filter, gaseous ruthenium can end up in the atmosphere. Which is exactly where all of us in the EU, well, had been finding it. At the same time, Russians, again, nicely denied everything. Including the fact that, well, they denied that anything had happened at first. Because for several weeks, the Mayak facility and Russia's state nuclear corporation Rosatom, and even... Vladimir Putin's spokesman had been busy denying anything was wrong, and they were rubbishing reports from the Western agencies that discovered radioactive cloud, and they launched a crazy kaleidoscope of conspiracy theories to account for this existence and blaming EU for that and blaming satellites for that. Now, I must have mentioned this in 2017 political episodes at some point, but back then it was all truly mysterious. However, well... Since we finally have the newer investigation papers and everything, yeah, it was all about craziness. Because at that point, at the third time a massive disaster happened, you know, everyone was kind of like, come on guys, could you please stop lying for once? Since, after all, I spent the whole part one of this talking about the whole scramble of the nuclear arms race and what happened there, it was crazy. After all, we're talking about a place which literally has thousands and thousands of people dead from radiation sickness and hundreds of thousands of people exposed to radiation and being experimented upon afterwards because it's crazy. And again, we all found out only because of nuclear disaster in Chernobyl, which just popped up in a report basically submitted to the United Nations, blowing this whole thing in 1986. And, well, again... Other catastrophes. Before that 1968 catastrophe. You know, in 1967, just a year previously, which is another catastrophe on the great list of about, I don't know, 20 incidents of Mayak. Lake Karachai, a water reservoir used by Mayak for nuclear waste disposal, dried up. As a result, powdered radioactive dust was blown over the southern Urals. Rosatom... Again, only very recently got around to addressing that issue, and they finally sealed the lake off in 2015. Why? Well, because obviously, why would we bother? Continuing with the glorious legacy of Kombinat Mayak, it had another surprise for Russia and the world in 2005 when a lawsuit and criminal charges directed at its scandal tar director revealed the facility had been dumping even more unfiltered waste into the river over basically all the time that it existed. It just dumped everything in the river, and the Techa River is basically, if you drink from it, you die. Rosatom said the Mayak had ended the practice in 2004, but again, Greenpeace and Bellona and everyone else, numerous studies by various ecological groups, have convincingly claimed that this assertion is absolutely false, and that they're lying, as usual. Well, I guess... 
scamming people and lying is kind of a proud tradition that all this stuff happens, but Mayak has taken it into a whole new level of craziness. And again, we're talking about 450,000 people who the government, the candid moment in 1983, have been exposed to Mayak's waterborne radioactive bilge. It's a bit insane. Birth defects and radiation and everything, and, you know, with all this legacy of Mayak being a weird place, truly bizarre place, which is a closed chemical combine where you get shot if you try to enter from the outside, and yet that really doesn't affect the quality of their work at all. With all this tragic neglect and preventable illness, it might be kind of thought that uh, Rosatom, in, as the article from 2017 states, in its newly soon Western guise, a statement that seems ironic a bit now in 2021, yeah, would be at pains to reassure its own population as well as the world at large that it was doing what it could to limit further radioactive exposure from the ruthenium release. And, you know, people expected that they might investigate where it came from and bring the responsible parties and its own apparatus to kind of account, because uh, there's a certain upper limit on how how wrong and how many times everything can go wrong in one location before you worry about everything. Instead, again from the article, it was German and French nuclear safety regulators that went public with the evidence of the radioactive cloud placing its origin somewhere in the southern Urals or nearby Kazakhstan. Helpfully, the French regulator offered that if such release had occurred on its own territory, it would have issued evacuation orders and suspended the sale of contaminated crops. Yeah, Rosatom didn't take the hint, really, no. Of of course not, I mean... Instead, Rosatom responded with sarcasm and issued statements needling Western journalists about their concern. In one Facebook posting, the company printed a taunting invitation to reporters to come toward the plant, which it jeeringly dubbed, quote, the cradle of ruthenium, and strontium-19, and plutonium, and whatever you want that will kill you instantly. Russia's weather service, Roshidrometer, for its part, well, a week after the whole incident happened, and a bit late onto the party, really grudgingly confirmed that an extremely high radiation emission, by its account nearly a thousand times more than normal, actually did happen in the region of southern Urals. Yet, the very next day, they were evidently chastised for stepping off script, and the service said that the release wasn't really technically more than normal in a relative sense, and, and it kind of added that it, you know, it wasn't interested in seeking out the guilty parties, and, you know, nothing really happened, honestly, yeah, nothing dangerous. Because nothing really dangerous ever happens in Mayak. The cat was out of the bag at that point, though. Chelyabinsk regional public safety minister responded to the revised narrative by telling his constituents to ignore the prospect of radioactive contamination by drinking beer and watching soccer instead. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. I mean, look, I made in April this episode about the Russian Academy of Sciences in Siberia, where this is located, about how, well, we can't speak about how, well fucked up everything is in our environment, but, well, I guess they should be drinking beer and watching soccer instead as well. Lawmaker Maxim Shignarkin, who sits on the Parliament's Environment and Natural Resources Committee, declared that, quote, American spy satellite had cruised over Russia and Europe and showered them with ruthenium along the way. If you guys know of American spy satellites that can shower anything with ruthenium, please let me know in the comments or whatever. This is a bit insane. By the time Dmitry Peskov, Putin's very cynical spokesman, was confronted by the ruthenium question, he decided he'd heard just about enough of all of this. He told the press that none of Russia's ministries or bureaucracies had told him anything about any accidents or anything else that would account for the ruthenium releases, and as far as he was concerned, that was the end of that. Now, 
it's kind of tempting to look at Moscow's long history of lies and deceit and say, you know, it hasn't learning anything from its fumbling around Chernobyl and its other many nuclear disasters and mishaps, but that would all be inaccurate. It's to its unusual fare of blanket denial, it's kind of added the garnishment of bad faith, jeering and being sarcastic and, and the stupid denial of the fact and basically mocking things. And, you know, in the midst of all this comedic affair, which is super sarcastic and kind of just hilarious in a way, there's this unfunny sad truth of a radiation accident that Rosatom has signaled it has no interest of clearing up, and much less speaking about it with, you know... Actual grown adults who should be running nuclear facilities instead of whatever is happening in Mayak. And, um, yeah, the guys from the 2017 article state that, quote, For what it's worth, we responded in the affirmative to Rosatom's glib invitation on Facebook to come visit Mayak. So far, we have, surprise, surprise, heard nothing from them. Until then, not only should we say that Rosatom has failed to learn from its past mistakes, but seems hell-bent on repeating them. It can only be hoped that its dishonesty is rewarded with the success of its past ineptitude. Which is a very polite way to say, oh my, this is going to be a bit terrible, really. And hey, guess what? It probably will. But wait, there's more. Oh, when it comes to Mayak, well, at least I hope you now understand why it took me so long to get all of this together. Because the fun never stops. After I did all of this stuff, Nice little research of 2019 comes up. And this new international research has now basically confirmed that, well, yes, indeed, you guys in Mayak, you should truly, truly start thinking about more about everything, despite continuous, still never-ending denials by Moscow that the facility bears any blame. Of course, that uh, basically would deny it even still. This report was published in 20th August 2019, and it stated that while the massive release of radiation was not harmful outside of Russia, there may have been more serious fallout in the direct proximity to the site located near the city of Chelyabinsk, near Russia's border with Kazakhstan. Yet, well, while the levels of contamination may have fallen within safe limits by the time it reached Europe, the new research suggested in 2019, that this Mayak leak surpassed the magnitude of the previous Mayak leak, which was considered the world's first world nuclear power industry accident after Chernobyl and Fukushima. Three Miles accident is uh, a minor incident in comparison, and it just Mayak now takes up both the third and the fourth spot of all this situation, because, you know, 60 years after the first one, people of Mayak decided that, hey, you know, I mean, we did the previous five-year plan and contaminated everything around us. Let's one-up this thing. At least third. At least beat ourselves. And, well, at the same time, after this whole thing, after the massive denial and everything, Russia's state nuclear corporation Rosatom again issued fresh denials over Mayak's apparent responsibility for the leak, insisting that its own investigations had cleared the facility of any mishaps whatsoever and that none of them were possible in the future. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And again, this is crazy. Let me remind you that Germany and France are really far from the Urals. Yeah, and it's not that easy to note anything about that far with all the radiation stuff, but all their claims, all their claims about ruthenium satellites and everything, yeah, this new research published contradicts all of that. This investigation that was published, conducted jointly by Institut de Radioprotection et de Suerte Nucléaire in France, oh, or IRSN, I'll just call it IRSN, that was made together with the Leibniz University Hanover in Germany. Yeah, that uh, basically 100% confirms that it happened in Mayak. They analyzed over 1,300 atmospheric measurements. The researchers were even able to pinpoint when the release occurred, which is now we know that it happened on noon, September 26th, and noon the following day. Quote, we are very certain that the source is in the Eurasian border region, and to the best of our knowledge, there is only one facility that is capable of handling such amounts of radioactivity in this area, and this is uh, Mayak, end quote. This is what George Steinhauser, a nuclear chemist with Leibniz University in one of the reports led authors, told the Newsweek magazine. And again, ruthenium-106 is a byproduct of nuclear fission. Half-life of 374 days, by the way. When spent nuclear fuel is taken out of reactors and reprocessed, these isotopes are typically separated from ruthenium, uranium, and plutonium, and kept in long-term storage with other radioactive byproducts. You know, in that process that we spoke about previously. And, well, thankfully, the reactive cloud was diluted enough that it did not really pose a major threat to those living under it. Though uh, the article states that Steinhauser noted they were unable to fully assess the impact in close vicinity of Mayak itself. If anybody was exposed to the cloud directly, there is a risk of harmful doses, he told the magazine. Oliver Masson, Steinhauser's co-author from IRSN, added that if a similar release had occurred in France, quote, it would have led to the evacuation of workers to avoid any additional overexposure. And yeah, this whole new report arrived at a time when the hit HBO series Chernobyl basically made Russian denials of nuclear accidents kind of ring really specifically hollow. In that sense, Rosatom's reaction to the new report from the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences was, uh, predictably, you know, the usual stuff. Because the Rosatom Corporation once again stated that, quote, We maintain that there have been no reportable events at any Rosatom-operated plants or facilities. Both the national regulator and experts from an independent international inquiry inspected the Mayak facility back in 2017 and found nothing, nothing, to suggest that the ruthenium-106 isotope originated from the site, nor found any traces of an alleged accident, nor found any evidence of local staff exposure to elevated levels of radioactivity. Here I have to add that Mr. Steinhauser probably hasn't heard about the previous, all the incidents in Mayak and how, how everything works there. And secondly, Rosatom technically doesn't lie if you think about it. I mean, Mayak's been a polluted hellhole full with chemicals and radiation and they have dumped waste in their water for 50 years now. 
and they have also a chemical plant that drops even more waste in the water, and everything's irradiated from ridiculous, insanity amounts of accidents already. So, hey, I mean, eh, what's, what's one more radiation accident? I mean, doesn't matter. No one will ever care, really. So, technically, I guess they're true. Maybe? Makes you think, doesn't it? Since I don't really know. At this point, I think that Mayak might as well be a deadlier place where people actually live than areas surrounding Chernobyl. And still, at least to the Western audiences, it's just not known at all. Which is, again, shown by how these people, these European scientists, reacted to all of this massive affair. The denials, they were speaking as if this was a one-time incident. Meanwhile, I hope that by now you've, you've understood that in Mayak... Nucle- in Mayak, they're kind of like the nuclear plant that Homer Simpson works in, and that they regularly have to replace their, their little plate, the background stating that zero days since the previous nuclear accident. Come on, boys, we can pull this together. This time, let's make it to a week at least. Or something. Because with all the crazy amounts of actually reported nuclear accidents, you know, being the cynical, uh, cynical person that I am, I, I would like to hope that the one the accidents that I've mentioned in the part one and that long list, and with the three major ones now, three major ones, right? That those are the only ones? But I'm not so sure. However, some other interesting facts also popped up about Mayak, really. Is, you see, conspiracy theories have to surround this area and it has gained mythical mimetic status in the Russian internets. And all of this is kind of bizarre since there's a lot of other incidents because it was a secret town and everything was closed. And I know that a lot of you are listening to Astonishing Legends podcast. You know, I am too. And if you remember, they made a great episode of the Dyatlov Pass a long time ago and then kind of revisited that. Well, just to say that basically in that infamous accident of the Dyatlov Pass, which you should listen on the Astonishing Legends podcast, yeah, all these people worked at Mayak factory. Yeah, the incident happened in 1959, two years after this. Well, at least um, 80% of them worked at Mayak, and the rest of them were about to work in Mayak. Which is kind of always fun. And at the same time, all of this Mayak catastrophe, well, besides the previous uh, Mayak factory guy who got arrested for dumping nuclear waste in the river, yeah, the ex-governor of the Chelyabinsk Oblast, one Yurevich, you know, the governor of the whole place where Mayak is located, he, in July 2011, kind of uh, spent 360,000 rubles, apparently, to change the results of Yandex and Google search results, which were related to the Kishinsk catastrophe of 1957. See, this is why I had to do a lot of digging and a lot of way-back machining to even find things out. Yes, the whole governor of the whole district spent a lot of money from the taxpayers' monies to cover everything up. That was a bit crazy again, but still. After this, do you really think that Rosatom could say anything other than they did in 2017? (laughs) Of course not, obviously. And by the way, this uh, Navalny also tied his ties into everything because he noticed this and he posted about this on his page and then nothing happened. Because why would it? Of course, we should be having a 
healthy dose of skepticism and, and, and kind of sadness after all. And also, to you gaming fans out there, there is a kind of a popular opinion, with some evidence, and there's a theory of it, that one of the more important works of the Russian science fiction, kind of this roadside picnic, which was written by the brothers Trugatskys in the early 70s, was really based on the events and, and kind of the aftermath of the accident of 1957. Because yeah, a lot of you have played the Stalker video game, and that's sort of based on this roadside picnic thing. But again, remember that the roadside picnic was written before Chernobyl catastrophe, and it's a very popular mistake, and I have to say that I made it myself, because everyone thinks, obviously, because of the Stalker video game, that was based on that. Well, turns out that, apparently, a lot of theories that it's exactly this, since everyone who worked in the Mayak thing the ex-workers state that they had a very fun atmosphere and it was a very popular fiction work in the whole Mayak factory. The bosses apparently looked down on you for reading Brothers Strogatsky's, but they really liked it. And they just laughed off that the anomalies, yeah, that's a part of the daily life of Mayak. I hope that you liked and enjoyed these both parts of Crazy Mayak Story. Because, well... Yeah, delving into experimental territory now, but this is how the stories of the Eastern Border are born. I mean, I started out this just from a random joke, and look where it led us. To one of the craziest and least known nuclear power stories on the planet. Also, I'd like to mention the podcast Russophiles Unite movie podcast, where apparently I am now responsible for that show receiving its first ever one-star review. Say sorry, Ali. <laughs> that's a bit uh, bad from me. You see, we were there, and, well, that's a podcast that looks at Russian cinema, and then we kind of evaluate it and everything, and I was there on recently, and we watched uh, a documentary about Stalin's funeral. And while we commented on it, the format of the show follows the thing that we have a pre-talk, then we watch the movie, and then we have a talk afterwards, so I highly recommend you go and give Russophiles Unite movie podcast a try. If you follow me on Twitter, then you might have noticed that I retweet them often, and I just press like all the time, so you can catch them there easier. Alistair Pitts does a great job of producing this show, and it's a great piece of work, but it was just something that also struck me as odd, since, you know, <laughs> this is the first time ever when the Eastern Border is responsible for another show getting a one-star review. That show's first ever. It shows how sometimes life can take strange turns. And that's about it for today. The last episode's going to be about, well, politics. Because Belarus, oh boy, the things that Lukashenko has done smells a bit of uh, international terrorism once again. Up until next time, do свидания, товарищи. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.